Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Blassie's Light Sour Cream Ale. Refresh yourself through and through, friend, with the rich, thick, honest ale flavor of Blassie's Light Sour Cream Ale. Enjoy this famous light dairy ale, and you feel great without feeling like you've bulked up on pointless excess calories. Sure, it's creamy and full-bodied, but that extra heft comes from the healthful proteins and energy calories provided by wholesome sour cream. Sour cream that's proudly served out by the pride of Cabin Country, the award-winning Aspen Grove Dairy and Creamery plant. Mm. Only Blassie's brews an ale like this, the most nutritionally satisfying ale there is. When you order a Blassie's, you can stand tall in the knowledge that this light ale is good for you, powerfully good for you. So how about a cold glass of Blassie's, mister? And you too, lady. And I'm Fudd Klugman. Fudd, we've got uh, kind of an interesting piece here tonight I thought I'd share for those fans of ours out there, our listenership who enjoys trapping. Trapping? All right. Yes. Nice. We don't we don't talk about, a lot about, about trapping on the show. No, we don't. This was a, a fun piece I, I found, and I'm going to go ahead and give credit where credit is due. This was uh, contributed to the Star Tribune by Star Trib author Paul Walsh. It's all about a trapper who accidentally trapped and then revived a pine martin using CPR. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. This is, wow. uh, this is for real. So I'll just go ahead and read this piece yeah. if you don't mind. Fudd. Let's hear it. A northern Minnesota fur trapper inadvertently snared a martin out of season, then swiftly brought the normally ornery critter back from near death with mouth to snoot resuscitation. <laughs> Indeed. The revival of the furry creature played out Saturday in the woods near southern shore of Lower Red Lake in central Beltrami County, according to State Department of Natural Resources agents. This is where the trapper was checking one of his bobcat sets and was upset that he had caught the marten, which showed little signs of life, Fudd. 
Oh dear. Very little response from this pine marten. Conservation officer Nick Prokar, and I hope I'm getting that right, Nick, and feel free to contact us at... Yes, cabincountrypod at gmail.com. Thank you, Foot. Uh, and Thursday, the trapper called him for advice on what to do with the wounded weasel. But the man quickly hung up, only to call back to report the marten just might make it after all. He said, he started blowing on the nose and massaging its chest, Prokar said. Next thing you know, it started moving, moving its eyes, and came back to life. Rocker said Martins are vicious and mean as heck. When he, first, when he first told me he did CPR, I asked him, you mean it didn't eat your face off? Wow. Okay. Still unsure of chances for survival, the trapper put the animal in his side-by-side off-road vehicle, drove home, and met Proker there. The officer, who'd been handling news media inquiries on behalf of the trapper, told him Martin looked, the Martin looked like it was pretty healthy. It was chirping and yelling at me. I scooped it out of the side-by-side with a leaf rake, and it scampered off into the woods. The Martin, whose fur is largely brown with gold or yellow tints, is native to much of northern and northeastern Minnesota. Adults weigh about two pounds and grow to two to two and a half feet in length, from nose to tail. The most recent trapping season for Martins in Minnesota spanned nine days in early December and was combined with its cousin, the Fisher. The maximum take for the two species in total was two, Prokker said. Two. Not too many of these Hmm. little weasels snared. Now that said, Prokker said in his 10 years on the job, he has seen his fair shares of odd rescues, including the rescue of a deer from a swimming pool, but never one that includes CPR (laughs) on a wild animal. How about that? Amazing. How about that? Breathing into its snout and massaging its chest and and, and risking back, back ser- to life. Yeah. serious facial Could injury. Eating his face. Wow. Reminds me of a Frank Zappa album title, Weasels Ripped My Flesh. <laughs> oh, yes. In this, in this, wow. In this case. I, yeah. Don, can we play any? No? No. All right. Well, uh, we don't have any authority. We don't have any Zappa queued up. But, uh, Sorry about that. Maybe anyway, a red flannel trout can cover a... Quite possibly. A, a piece of Zappa or something. <laughs> exactly. We'll, so. we'll see. Something to think about. Should you snare any of the weasel family apparently blowing into the snoot and massaging its tiny chest will bring it back to life. So that's exciting. It's, it sounds a little bit like, uh, don't try this at home, though, on, right. a, on yeah, a regular I would, basis. I would advise uh, staying away from the teeth of any of the weasel family. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I mean, I just saw a weasel of some kind bounding out on the... When it was frozen. Uh, right. I, well, I think it's frozen again. We're having okay. a balmy winter, as we know. But, yeah, there's something long about the size that you had sure. mentioned. I don't think it was a pine marten. Aren't those, like, really dark in color? Well, it says here, you know, dark brown with, with oh. flecks of gold. Oh, okay. Um, well, it was too far away for me to see, like, the color, but uh, it was just weird. It was bounding rapidly in the swarm of the few mallard ducks that were... Splashing around oh, out How there. are the ducks responding? Well, they looked a little nervous. They yeah. looked a little nervous. But uh, I also just saw, speaking of the back pond here, yes. something that uh, at first I thought, oh, that looks like a shib- shibu inu or whatever, one of those little right. dogs. Doge. But yeah. I have a feeling it was uh, not a pet. I, I think okay. it might have been a little coyote or coyote something. Coyote running, running across the Running ice. in the suburbs here. And uh, wow. there, there were no ducks to be seen at that time. So I think... You know, pine pine mark or weasel, uh, not too scary to the ducks, but uh, coyote or something like that. Oh, coyote will take care of them. Yes. Interestingly enough, yeah, we were, I, I'm in the city right on the river mm-hmm. and uh, walking through a new up, up 
upcoming housing development that's, that is where the Ford plant used to stand. Oh, right, yeah. Turning into a housing and, and uh, retail development over there and um, came alongside kind of a human-made, but I think it was naturally occurring, water feature that they've expanded oh, and have okay. it running towards Minnehaha Falls into the river and redirecting water. And... Um, Fur everywhere. I'm like, what? Oh. not fur so much as feathers. Okay. I'm like, man, it looks like the people that are, you know, parks department folks that are mowing the grass or whatever must have hit like a pillow or something. There's some kind of, <laughs> yeah. oh, it's all over the place. And then I, I and it was cold. I mean, it was very cold out. It was one of those three and a half hours of unseasonably cold weather we had yeah. prior to our uh, massive eighth of an inch snowfall right. of the past <laughs> couple nights. And um, <clears throat> lo and behold, it was a Canada goose. Oh. And laying there, kind of spread-eagled, oddly enough, and, and part of the internal organs were, were gone. Oh. But, but the bird was intact. Now, we had made that walk for weeks, and the thing just laid there. Oh. And they'd mowed again and the whole bit, and, there was, and, it, and then it had been moved down to kind of a, like a dry wash kind of feature they had built. Okay. And it was still there. And I'm like, man, it's been like a month and a half, and that thing, I mean, it... I guess the cold weather kept it intact. I'm oh, not quite sure. sure. Well, we took another walk just a week ago, and now it was in pieces all oh. over that dry gulch. There was a wing over here and a wing <laughs> over here and part of the body there, and I, all I could think was, I'll bet the coyotes finally came out and said, well, that's enough of this. And yeah. Easy meal. It might be a little well-soured yeah. with time and perhaps space, but something got preserved a hold of it. Preserved a little. Yeah, something got a hold of it and huh. ripped, it, ripped it to shreds, so... Strange but true. Yikes. Now, on the weasel front, FUD, I recall uh, probably about six, seven years ago, one of our spring trips up to the up to the, the fishing shack. Yeah. And uh, you were still sawing logs, and, of course, I was getting up on my work schedule. Yeah, it's 7 o'clock in the morning. I better get out there, <laughs> have a cup of coffee, throw some lures in the river, and <clears throat> set down the rod after... Not much happening, and thought, well, okay, I'll just leave the, the fishing now for a while. I'll just sit here and enjoy the sunrise over the river. And uh, saw some motion back on your steps, and I turned around, and there was a, a mink oh. that was galumping along. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, oh, what's a wood or a, what am I trying to say here, Foot? I'm going brain dead. Help me now. Muskrat. I thought, oh, for sure yeah. it's a muskrat, because yeah. yeah, I know you That's had, all we see up there. Yeah, usually. muskrats, yeah. usually burrowing into your... Into your uh, in the bank there, the yeah. bank, the right. bank man. I thought, well, it's, it's stinking muskrat. I was like, nope, it's too big, too, too awkward, yeah. too long, and too dark. And I was like, I'll be darned, that's a mink. Wow, it's either yeah. a mink or a, a fisher. But I thought yeah. maybe a little small for a fisher. So I'm pretty sure it was a mink. But uh, yeah, seen a few of those. That's perhaps that's what. In fact, I asked my dad. It's like, Dad, I saw this long thing. I don't know if it was a weasel or a. Well, it was in that family, I guess. Right. A mink, probably right. a mink. But uh, well, it's good to know if the thing had keeled over on the ice and you were <laughs> gutsy enough, you could have gone out there, right. blown on its snout and mas- massaged uh, its chest and brought him back. That kind of, you know, that kind of reminds me of uh, your your buddy Mike. Yeah, uh, you've shared a f- hilarious story about the fun he used to have with possums. possums. Yeah. yeah, Grantsburg what, possum what? collection. <laughs> Walking across his yard, <laughs> he'd see him and just open the window of his house. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> just feel, go over in the fetal position. Ha ah, teeth. You know. <laughs> yeah. Wait a while. Oop, it's coming back. To, hey, <laughs> <laughs> 
hours of entertainment. <laughs> oh, I don't know why. That just tickles my fancy. I, oh, yeah. That's a hilarious story. I think he knew enough to keep the dog in the house. We just like... We, yeah, we did have a, a few years ago when, when our, our golden, retriever, golden retriever, yeah. Sookie, was still around. She went crazy whenever a possum was nearby. And one got into the yard and... Of course, she scared it to fake death, yeah. and uh, I brought Suki in, and uh, I just, I thought, is the thing dead? But I wasn't even thinking, well, it's playing possum, idiot. Right. But sure yeah. enough, I wa- you know, waited for about 20 minutes, and the thing just woke up like it was, after, <laughs> you know, after long winter's, short winter's nap, and then right. walked down to the end of the property and up over the chain link fence, and it was gone. Then I could let Suki out again, but, but she had it in her mouth. Ooh. And I thought, oh, great, get in here. You're not yeah. gonna, don't be messing with that. And I didn't know what to do. I thought, you know, do I take a shovel and just try to heft it over the fence you right. know, into, into the back? But I was too chicken, to be honest. I, Quite a, I'll tell you what, basically this is me admitting I'm not going to get anywhere near an unconscious animal to give it mouth to no, snoot. No, 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 especially a uh, possum. What a mouthful of teeth. Oh, my God, yes. Good Lord. It's just scary. The, I mean, historic. Even when they are actually dead and smashed on the road, they're just, like, hideous to look yeah, at. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so whenever I see cartoons or drawings or stuffed animals that are cute little possums, I think that's no, not cute. No, it's, no. no I, Nature's nobleman takes a back seat. Say, forget it. Let it let it lay. It's fun to hear my dad, uh, you know, too. Like we never saw possums in Minnesota. What's this? What's it seems happening? strange. I think it's it's the gradual warming. You know, I probably. mean, we last week we sat outside the fire ring and it was probably thirty eight degrees, forty, yeah. and just yeah. what in the world? It's January's approaching, and yeah, you know, it warms up. The possums start start showing up, moving around. Maybe they've always been here, but uh, yeah. They seem know. to be a lot more prevalent these days. Anyway, I thought that was kind of fun. Yeah. And, uh, short little tale there. At, uh, I like the fact that the, you know, the DNR agent grabs it with a rake and it yelled and chirped at me. <laughs> it's like, how, does, how does a pine martin yell at you? Hey, chirp. Hey, yes, <laughs> Watch it with that rake. Come on. What's the matter with you? Chirping and yelling. Yeah. I'll cut it off. Knock it out. Chew your face up. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Anyway. Well, cool. I like yeah, it. have fun with that, and we'll, uh, we'll get back to the show. Sounds good. Hi, folks. It's your friend, good old Lloyd, helping you get ready for yet another post-holiday season of visitors, coffee clatches, and waiting for spring. I'm also helping you hosts out there by making use of something the hunters in your family probably recently brought in field dressed from the deer camp. Yes, sir. This is venison fudge. How do we go about it? Well, we start with half a pound of butter, one large can evaporated milk, four cups of sugar, 12 ounces of chocolate chips, two cups of marshmallow fluff, two teaspoons of vanilla, one cup cooked venison extras, crusty, dry parts removed and only seasoned with salt, and one cup of well-chopped, fancy mixed nuts. So what are the venison extras, you may ask? Well, these are the bits and pieces that still have a wonderful flavor if ground and cooked a la ground beef. 
Make sure you've discarded most of the sinew, uh -oh. silver skin, and arteries. Oh. This will go through a pro-grade meat grinder, so a little isn't too big a deal. Mm. Run them through the meat grinder, set on fine, and then season with nutmeg, allspice, a touch of salt, and just a hint of ground clove. Mm. You know, a little pepper wouldn't be all bad as well. Or either, or whatever. Now cook off the venison burger, ideally in a setting that offers plenty of fresh air. Drain the grease from this cooked grind and allow it to cool to room temperature. Cook the butter, milk and sugar in a Dutch oven for five minutes, stirring often. Remove from heat and stir in chocolate chips and marshmallow fluff until melted. Stir in vanilla and ground <laughs> venison and nuts. Beat until firm and pour into a well-greased 9 by 13 pan. Yield 50 to 60 servings. Keep it cool until holiday gatherings and cut it into individual servings and put it out on the buffet spread. See if it doesn't go over as well as Cousin Bob's pickled rock bass. Or that cordly eel your Aunt Babs picked up from the harbor master. This thick and curiously tangy sweet meat will undoubtedly fly from the buffet tables over these winter family events. A delight for the taste buds. And venison fudge also makes a dandy bear bait if any quantities go uneaten. A wish to you for good eating from the always adventurous good old Lloyd. Hello, I'm Mike coming to you from another part of cabin country, that of northwest Wisconsin. I grew up in the same area as Bjorn, but moved away to this cabin country about 25 years ago. One great thing about living here is that I don't have to go very far to hunt birds when it is that season. I have three hunting dogs for that reason, and sometimes those dogs find skunks. I've always liked skunks. I don't even mind the smell that much. I used to do a lot of fur trapping, and a lot of fur trapping lures contain skunk scent because fox and coyote and fisher are attracted to that smell, so I'm pretty used to it. The dogs once in a while get mixed up with a skunk. Unless they take a direct hit, I sometimes have a hard time smelling it as I must be somewhat desensitized. So sometimes when I am returning from a venture with the dogs, somewhere I might catch a whiff of skunk from the backseat of the truck where the dogs ride, but I'm not really sure if I smell it or not. In that case, I have found the fastest way to find out if they are skunked is just to send them all in the house while I wait outside. If my wife immediately immediately starts yelling, well, I know they got skunked and I better get started cleaning them up. So that might be a useful tip for you. arrived at the studios last week to a great surprise. Yeah, wasn't it, though? Um, there's a new member of the family here. Yes. At the Oakdale Studios. Her name is Juniper, and it's a, it's a shepherd-mixed uh, four-month puppy. Gigantic paws. Massive paws. Leaping around the house like a, a mad dog. But <laughs> well, yeah, and... Uh, my wife and I had been having plenty of conversations about, okay, you know, we just put we just put our oldest dog, Suki, down this last summer. Loss of Suki, yes. And she's made it into a couple of videos in the background. You'll see oh, yeah. if you go on to, uh, you know, the Cabin Country Podcast uh, YouTube channel, you'll see some of our uh, videos with, you know, a white white lab golden retriever mix kind of... Bounding around. Hanging around in the background. I think I even got a shot of her rolling around in goose poop. Well, you know, the good things... 
never change. <laughs> That's right. You know, she always loved it up there. But, but the loss of Suki was tough on my wife, and uh, and she was even agreement with me that let's let's take a break from dogs, take know? some time. But uh, I have to admit that this New Year's Eve, it was me that said, "Well, maybe we shouldn't wait too long." Hun, I know you've been depressed. Both of our girls, now we've got one girl in her first year of college and uh, the second girl heading out the, you know, this coming summer. You bet. And so with nothing else to look at but me, mm. uh, she's going to need something fun and exciting to take care of. Uh, so uh, I said, well, all right, let's, but maybe in the spring. But of course. You uh, knuckled under. <laughs> I, I knuckled under. <laughs> Damn dogs. I, I don't know. I, but she's a good pup. Good pup, and we got her from a. It was a rescue organization, and I think that's, they. That's a good thing. Found her out just by herself uh, on a on a in South Dakota somewhere, and so now she's home here in Oakdale, enjoying the the mild winter here in the back backyard of the Oakdale Studios. Just a hint intimidated by carpeted steps. Yes, a little bit. She's still getting goes up and down the deck outside. Oh. Yeah, every now and <laughs> I just, again. I just heard a no. I don't, yes. I don't think that was directed at you. No, if you listen carefully, you might hear my wife yelling at the dog in the background. <laughs> and don't we all know how that goes? Yes, we do. At any rate, yes, aye, we'll, aye, aye. we'll get used to that over time. But uh, Bjorn, you came equipped this, this evening with... I did. You know, I am someone who, who kind of is a second fiddle with the newspaper. Um it shows up, and, and my wife is a voracious news news consumer, and mm-hmm. sometimes I'm looking over her shoulder, and something catches my eye, and, and uh, here again was a section on birding. Oh, right. And I thought, my God, it's cold. Not that cold, but I mean, you know, it's... It's, it's a, still it's, winter. Right, it's winter here in Minnesota. A lot of our birds have, have migrated. Um, but this is an interesting section we pulled again uh, from last week's Star Tribune. I hope they're cool with... Um, this is a... From Val Cunningham, who's a, a special kind of contributor uh-huh. to the paper. And it, I think anybody who's interested in birding um, will find this to be interesting. So there was a, a piece, and I'll just kind of paraphrase some of this so I won't be thieving directly. But <laughs> I found it all fascinating. The piece here, I remember years ago when we talked with Stan Tequila, he talked about the state bird. The loon. The loon, the common yes. loon. And uh, how we see them, you know, cruising around with those little... Fluffy-headed junior loons yeah. close close at hand, and then said, "Well, it's awfully cute, but uh, they do ask the youth to migrate on their own. They don't migrate as family groups." And this uh-huh. was this was a piece here as well with a, a very nice photo of a parent loon and quote unquote a youngster, mm-hmm. and talking about how the parents will leave well ahead of the young birds. They're claiming here that the loons will typically fly from large bodies of water in the upper Midwest wherever they might be here, in the upper continental 48, and then fly to the Gulf of Mexico or the southern Atlantic coast, where times are warmer and less ice-bound, I guess you could say. But the young loons will be expected to make this journey on their own. And, And parents take off early, giving the young ones more time to practice their flight. Right, so it's a flight right. skill kind of thing and getting their stamina up and being ready to go. And you've got to wonder there, too. It's just like, man, what is programmed into the, the brain of a loon, a young loon, to say, yeah. I need to go south. I don't really know where I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know how to get there, but yeah. by gad, I can fly. <laughs> so let's see where this goes. Okay. And so they do seem to make the trip. 
says here, uh, Minnesota's got the largest population of loons and 12,000 adults inhabiting, inhabiting, excuse me, many of the state's lakes, and they return to the same lake annually. They come back. So something is, is hardwired into those young brains to, hmm. hey, I know this body of water. I'm coming back here. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, the second piece talks about someone writing in. It's kind of a Q&A piece, and they're saying, I found this feather back by the feeder, and I cannot identify it, and I would love to know where this came from. And uh, Val fires off something. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has something uh, called, uh, well, they have services you can contact to figure out what, what is this feather, but there's also apparently a identify my feather feature oh. that you can use. I don't know how cool. you get to it, but many of you are much more tech savvy than Fudder Eyes, so feel free to right. get after that. Find my feather. And you can identify the the bird species by the feather they've left behind. Huh. Well, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. I know uh, I've been keen on uh, Merlin, which is a, right. an app. Yeah, I've got that. Use that from time to time right up there with iNaturalist to try to figure out what some of the plants and fungi and sure. things like that are. I just ate it. Am I going to die? Yeah, I, <laughs> right. I don't. How are you feeling? You know, I, <laughs> yeah. I don't, you're starting to foam and turn green. Is that? Ah, that's that's. Oh, that's that's, that's natural. Fine, it's no yeah. big deal. Yeah. Um, yet another piece here. Uh, talking about like I'm walking through a local park and I'm thinking I just saw bluebirds, but clearly it's too late for bluebirds. And not to, you know, Stantkila talks about he has put out how he, how many you know bluebird boxes on various sure. right. uh, stretches of land he's he's tied in with and how he's. Doing a great job of, of re-strengthening the local bluebird population. They come back. They love it. And this person's saying, well, you're right. They're hanging out. Uh, the winters aren't quite as savage. And there's there's open water to be found. And there's lots of people putting out all kinds of things and suet feeders and bird, bird feeders. And, you know, with so much of the kind of seed grains still very easy to get to with our... 13th of an inch of snow or whatever is out there. <laughs> right. Mean, you know, other than the dusting that's on the lawns, I don't want to jinx anything here. I'm enjoying this. Don't get right. me wrong. I, I'm I, not uh, complaining. I listened to my spouse go on about, I can't cross country ski. I was like, yeah, that's too, Sorry about that, too bad. Uh, um, we've got a stationary bike in the basement. Have at it, you know. But uh, yeah, the bluebirds are hanging around, as are their cousins, the American robin. Oh, so yes. So robins yeah. and bluebirds are I still have been You're going to see them. Uh, sticking around. They like uh, shelled sunflower and safflower seeds, and they love suet. Uh-huh. And robins. I do, too. I've been the guy that you sometimes see out there trying to just snare. So I, uh, Taking a chaw? Get out of here, Blue Jay. I, I want a lip full of suet right now. <laughs> just a pinch between cheek and gum. Kind of makes me feel <laughs> satisfied for that early morning drive into work. Um, <laughs> Something so satisfying in that crumbly fat <laughs> right. as it slowly melts and congeals to my teeth. Mm. Mm. Yes, delicious. Um, a piece, too, as well. Uh, out on various walks around their property, they keep seeing a pileated woodpecker, and they're wondering on some of their jaunts far afield, getting their exercise, what with the lack of snow and ice, is this the same pileated? I mean, how far is the range of the average pileated woodpecker? And we mm -hmm. all love the call of the pileated woodpecker. Oh, yeah. And they're, they're huge birds, beautiful to see. Right. Um, this answer coming back is that uh, the Audubon Society has said they did a study of a specific 
woodpecker grouping in Missouri, and certain pileated woodpeckers defended territories that would range in size from 130 to 400 acres. Oh, my gosh. And then somebody writing in, too, from Oregon, saying that they've found through the studies that sometimes a single pileated woodpecker in the Pacific Northwest will defend a territory of up to 1,000 acres. So they said... Uh, don't be shocked if you're not all that far from home. You might be continually seeing the same pileated woodpecker uh, defending a huge territory. So Interesting. They stick around, and uh, they too are suet eaters. I know that. My Back a million years ago when I was involved with a, a scouting organization before I realized, I don't particularly enjoy this anymore. I'd like to do this <laughs> on my own. But we were making... Uh, homemade suet? Homemade. Well, it wasn't suet so much. We, were, they were, we would get jars of... Uh, kind of a low-cost, locally produced peanut butter. Oh, okay. And sort of freeze it up a little bit so it got harder. And then you can roll that into a ball and just roll the thing in seed and then attach a wire and we'd hang these from trees. And mm -hmm. it got some takers too. Although I think suet's got a little more calorie energy to it. Uh, yeah. Like I say, but yeah, interesting. There's all kinds of things that will we'll go after those suet balls and the, and the seeded peanut butter wads we might hang from our trees. Well, on that peanut butter homemade bit, uh, when our girls were a bit younger, and I think the grade school, we, sure. one of the projects was to make a suet uh, pine cone stuffed with peanut butter and bird seed. Sure. And at the time, we had a... Neighbor kid that was out there chewing on the cones. Well, Get and the heck out of my yard, punk! And leave. the neighborhood, the neighbor kid in this um, circumstance was a possum. Oh, okay. <laughs> so we had another tree out on our porch with the the peanut butter pine cone hanging out there. Oh yeah. And then we watched this big lumbering, frightening, pointy-nosed possum yeah. climb up the tree and go after the pine cone, and then ambled on down and looked at us through the, you know, we're looking at it really close through the patio door, and it's like not really making much of a noise, but it's just snarling. It's I just really don't like possums. Big mouthful of teeth. So yeah, We've said that recently. Right? What a mouthful yeah. of chops. Right. right. That, that's an ugly critter. Yes. You fought the urge to open the door and yell, hey! <laughs> <laughs> that's what I should have done. <laughs> yeah. Hey! Grantsburg Mike would have smiled. as Ah, uh, yes. Regale yes. the two. Hey! And watching me go over on his back, get a cup of coffee, come back, wait it out. He's back. Hey! No, no. <laughs> uh, Yet another writer says, hey, well, on top of all those bluebirds and robins, I swear I saw Baltimore Orioles. Baltimore Orioles? Now, I have a hard enough time seeing Baltimore Orioles in the summer. Huh. When you see them, you don't forget them. I mean, they're well, yeah. beautiful birds. Vibrant orange. orange and black. And yeah. Gorgeous white. And here again, you know, yep. Lots of these uh, Orioles are sticking around a little bit. And if you, again, they keep saying, suet. Have that suet hanging out hmm. there. Keep Bjorn Lloydstad away from your house and <laughs> keep a good suet and block out there. Blossoms. Also keen on salt licks. No, I, I, made, I made that up. <laughs> Fighting the deer for access to salt. Um, no, so you might be seeing Baltimore Orioles out there too. I think, you know, and Stan may send us a... You're out of your mind, man. Just be quiet. But I, I got the distinct impression that Orioles and Tanagers might be vaguely related. And hmm. uh, I, there are two members. Well, is an indigo bunting related to the Tanagers family? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. But two birds I have yet to see that I absolutely would love to see in the wild. 
Scarlet Tanager. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the indigo bunting. Yeah. The indigo bunting. And I'm sure with the indigo bunting, it's the deal, too, where the, the feathers are actually translucent. Oh. But they, they shimmer with, with blue. And yeah. I know, you know, bluebirds, blue jays, all that kind of thing. It's, right, right. It's just, that's how the that color iridescent works. Iridescent, yeah, that beautiful blue color. Indigo buntings, it's just a real deep blue. They're beautiful. Yeah. And tanagers, it's like the best of the cardinal without the... Yeah. Without the crest, without the black face mask, they're oh, they're gorgeous, gorgeous birds. Gives uh, gives Minnesota a slightly tropical feel. Yeah, a little bit. With little those bit. bright colors. Spent yeah. a summer in Costa Rica. I remembered seeing all kinds of interesting colored birds and thinking, wow, this this is what it's all about. Mm-hmm. I, I get it now. And then, you know, we don't get quetzals and, and uh, yeah. 70 different versions of hummingbirds coming up to the... Right. The North Star State, but uh, you don't have to travel all that far south to find them. It's, it's cool. And lastly, there's a piece, well, two pieces. I, I overstepped my bounds here. One is, this writer says, am I nuts or did I just see a hawk assisting basically what would be a murder of crows in sort of mobbing a great horned owl? Oh, really? Yeah. And they said that there was, there was quite a crowd of... of uh, Crows making quite a racket and kind of like bombing this tree and setting up camp around it. And various crows taking runs at this thing and this owl just kind of sitting there. It took them a while to realize, oh, there's a great horned owl in there. Uh, uh, it's either great horned or great gray. Um, one of the greats. Nope, great horned. Great horned owl. Great horned. There we are. And uh, says, that's a, that's a crazy tale. That's wild. It's fascinating. And it must have been quite a sight. Here again, uh, this person contacted someone at the Raptor Center, University of Minnesota, mm-hmm. and they said that uh, red-tailed, red-shouldered, and Cooper's hawks have all been known to occasionally mob great horned owls. Wow. Um, defending territory or forcing them out of the hunting grounds. Well, same idea. You know, yeah. you got to get out of here. So uh, another, it says, another possibility, Cooper's hawks and crows are about the same size. Hmm. So if crows fear being preyed on by an owl while they sleep at night, uh, might not a cooper's hawk feel the same? Want to drive that owl out of the territory. And I walked out of the house the other morning with a lip full of suet and was headed towards the garage <laughs> to get in the car. And it was probably about 6.20, nice and jet black December morning. You oh, know, nice. And yeah. there was a pair of great horned owls, one in the neighbor's tree and one in the other side neighbor's tree, answering back and forth. Oh, really? And I... Turned on my little flashlight on the phone and kept shining the trees. I was like, yeah. I, maybe I can see you. And I, only because we used to read a children's book to my kids when they were young. Something about owling. I, I think it was called Night Moon. Okay. And the whole idea was a, a reminiscence of going out with dad in farm country of cabin country mm-hmm. and in the snow. And they'd go out owling and they'd try to find a great horned owl. And when they did, it was always interesting and kind of frightening because the thing would like, all of a sudden, the eyes would light up and be staring down at oh, him. Oh, yeah. It would make its dive and, and then silent relocate. Dive, yeah. yeah, just that absolute yeah. silent. But, uh, yeah, these two were talking back and forth. And I was like, I, I don't know a lot of bird calls. I just found my Bird Sounds of Minnesota CDs from, from Stan Tequila. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm intending to get back on board with listening to my bird songs because I feel like I should know more of these. But I know the great horned owl is, is pretty easy to, to figure out. And... Uh, yeah, they would love our neighborhood, and there's squirrels and rabbits everywhere, so, yeah. and other birds, and the occasional cat. 
But uh, <laughs> I don't think an owl would tangle with a fully armed house cat. But I, I can't imagine that. I mean, I just no, thought God. their diet was predominantly mice. Mice, yeah, yeah. mice and other other rodentia. But yeah, they might uh, they might lean on a local hawk to join in the fray and let's get this big predator out of here, this apex predator, huh. make it go away. So that's kind of interesting. And then lastly, uh, this person says they put out all kinds of uh, shelled peanuts. Not shelled. I'm sorry. That would mean they were out of the shell. These are sh- in-the-shell salted peanuts. Uh-huh. Um, not even salted. I'm sorry. No, just, just shelled peanuts, natural shelled peanuts. Shell-on peanuts. Yeah, and for the Blue Jays. And this author said they, they come in like clockwork one at a time, and, and they keep coming back till they're all gone. Oh. And what are they doing with all these things? Are they like overeating or what are they doing? And and the author says, no, what they're doing is uh, caching. They're oh. taking these peanuts and putting them somewhere. Right. Later consumption. It's a Blue Jay favorite. They cache these things just like their cousins, the crows and the ravens. They all do this. So uh, huh. they'll stop, eat quite a few of them too. And they probably get raided by the squirrels who will find oh. it. Squirrels aren't afraid of much. Right. No, they're not. Um, not in the least. My wife was going through some funny stuff on social media recently. <laughs> so, apparently, it was, I, it was either yesterday or the day before it was National Squirrel Appreciation Day. Oh, my gosh. And it was just lots of different photos of squirrels in places you wouldn't expect to see them, like running the base paths at Target Field or running across <laughs> the end zone at uh, Huntington Bank Stadium. <laughs> or at one point, this family sitting there, they had the camera mounted on a rock, and the squirrel gets right in front of them and then sits up, photobombs. The, like, <laughs> like the size ratio, it looks like about a three-foot squirrel sitting there in front of the family, oh, <laughs> looking right hilarious. at the camera, <laughs> waving a paw. It is hilarious. So uh, Funny. Yeah, interesting stuff. So, Have you ever seen the, uh, the catapult that somebody designed? You know, A lot of people make obstacle courses for yeah, squirrels and of sure. course they all seem to figure Fail. it out yeah and it, be- and it becomes a pastime for a lot of people well absolutely i saw this i was sent a video of course and uh it was a squirrel got into something and the thing just just <laughs> catapulted it literally like into the next tree and well certain wasn't hurt right but i thought oh boy i'd love to get myself one of those but of course that's that's not a manufactured thing you have yeah to, Personal personal project, if you're uh, so inclined and right. have not much else to do, I guess. Well, you were describing that at first. I thought you were saying it was some kind of contraption to fire cats oh. out of the yard. Long <laughs> Catapult. Wow. Whoa, look at it go. Whoa. That's incredible. Wow. Caught the tree. Good for you. <laughs> I Squirrels and their ability to land like a cat. Yeah. I mean, the agility is amazing and the ability to... Uh, figure out any trap you might set up. It's, it's right. uncanny. But I, I still remember when my son was quite young and being out in the, the street in front of our house, we used to have a huge lineup of uh, very, very mature green ash trees. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the emerald ash borer came in and they all went away. But it, yeah. well, he and I were out there in the street, kind of a not a lot of traffic, and we were always like, okay, game off, and we'd get off the street if cars were coming or whatever. But right. Just practicing throwing the Nerf football, you know, and getting him used to catching and throwing and throwing this thing back and forth and working on distance. And yeah, good, that's good, you know, excellent. And all of a sudden, we heard this noise, and a squirrel fell probably 30 feet out of this elm tree across oh the street God. and landed like a stake on the road. Just, what? <laughs> It just laid there for a second and then kind of got up and shook its little head and was like, oh, ha, ha, ha. And I was like, how in the hell? 
What, wow. What did you do? I mean, I, I've never seen that happen before. But the, yeah, it was like, I don't know, he fell asleep on a high bow or what happened, but it, wow. you'd think they'd dig in with those talons so much that they can't. Yeah. And I've seen squirrels in some strange positions. There's, my neighbor's got a fence that's old, kind of starting to kind of break down you know, yeah. fencing material, wood. Right. And they'll, they'll sit on top of those fence posts and just gnaw away. Oh, um, yeah. And then after about 10 minutes of this, they act like they're half drunk. You know, I'm like, what do you, or they'll like lay flat on it. Like, yeah. I'm just sleeping this one off. And I'm like, what in the world are you doing? You open the door and they're like, okay, uh, uh, give me a second. I'm going to leave now. Don't get too close. I don't know what's in that wood that's hmm. getting them going, but they seem attracted to it. Uh, my daughter's big into uh, conservancy and forestry and all this good stuff. She said there are uh, lemurs. Now I realize we don't have lemurs in Minnesota. Right. We don't have lemurs in North America, but there's a specific type of poisonous, like, uh, worm that these lemurs will grab and just put in their mouths and kind of, like, fake chew on. Mm-hmm. And they'll release this kind of toxic, defensive kind of, you know, coating. Mm-hmm. And the lemurs get really weird off this stuff wow. and sit around on their haunches Kill. and stare at each other. <laughs> and then that wears off and they grab another one. It'd be kind of fun to like cue up one of those videos with you know, like Pink Floyd's yeah. Dark Side of the <laughs> <laughs> right. Wow. Purple Haze by Jimi Hendrix. I don't know. It's just uh, like, man, check it out. Didn't know the animal world Who knew? Uh, yeah. enjoyed some of the... She's like, oh, yeah, check this out. These are lemurs getting stoned on <laughs> semi-toxic uh, yeah, insects. I, I feel bizarre. like maybe it's some kind of millipede or something. It was just bizarre. It was like, wow. You know, the kind of things that humans look at and go, yeah. <laughs> right. Look at all the legs. Oh, my God. Oh, no, 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 no. That's, that's a... That's a that's four fingers of uh, single malt scotch <laughs> to those guys. You know, bring it on. Let's go. Wow, that's that's fascinating. Elder Lemur's going to cut him off. You've had enough, son. <laughs> put down the millipede. You're not driving. Right. Oh my goodness. Wow. Anyway, there you have it. Thank you to uh, Val Cunningham, a special contributor, to the Star Tribune. Yeah, a lot of fun stuff about birds and and. Uh, Something I already knew, the joys of suet blocks. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Bring them on out. Wow. Should you want to send Bjorn a suet block, feel free to contact us at uh, Cabin Country Pod. Just Cabin kidding. I, pod. I won't gnaw on it, I promise. <laughs> well, it sounds like a lot, of these, a lot of these avians would appreciate a hard block of suet out there if you uh, decide to make that move. And uh, if you want yeah. blue jays hanging around and lots of squirrels, too, feel free to... Roll out some peanuts in the shell. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm going to guess unsalted. Well, you know, we don't want to raise the blood pressure. Right. <laughs> yeah. Those, the birds. Where things going to have high blood pressure. Peanuts on its breath. I don't know. <laughs> but have plenty of energy and stored Smell up Smell those jays coming a mile away. Indeed. Right. Indeed. Yeah. Well, should we get on with the show? It's good. Yeah. Let's right. uh, get on to the next thing. Bust on in.
there anything better than summer on the water? Yes, summer in the woods or summer on the trails. Summer outdoors time is a great time and one that is enjoyed by all, including biting mosquitoes, midges, black flies, gnats, and deer flies. Oof, you had to bring them up. But do you ever find that even the best repellents come up short from time to time? Indeed, and let the itching begin, right? True enough. But your friends at UpNorthCo have come up with a soothingly creative option to itching. Do tell. UpNorthCo proudly presents Artistic Analgesic, a set of vividly colored short-term body paints made with real calamine lotion. Calamine lotion, the tried and true anti-itch formula that takes away the pain and irritation of most insect bites? The same. And Artistic Analgesic's colors will stay as bright or subdued as you care to mix them. You truly are the relief-seeking artist and can mix these colors to whatever shades you like. And the beauty of it? You can connect the dots with your bites, as it were, and create interestingly colorful abstract expressionist or impressionist works of temporary body art. And all the while, you're canceling out the sting or itch of most insect bites. I love it. And unlike expensive tattoos, Artistic Analgesic only costs $19.99 for a starter set of eight major calamine-based vivid colors. And if you decide you don't care for your final masterpiece, you won't have to pay a plastic surgeon to remove the images with laser burning. Right. And yet so much fun to be creative while making the itch of summertime bug bites go away. The Minimizing Master's palette contains multiple shades of each color on the spectrum while also dulling the sting and itch of most insect bites. And UpNorthCo also offers neon shades as well as metallics and pastels. I'll bet the kids and adults alike will love this creative new product. And Artistic Analgesic makes a great gift for that hard-to-shop-for friend or relative. What a great way to make some fun out of the one real bummer of summer. And you can find Artistic Analgesic at most of your favorite drugstores and supermarkets. If your local shopkeep doesn't have Artistic Analgesic, put it on order with them. You'll be glad you did. Artistic Analgesic the soothing summer art form that is taking the lakefronts, woodland trails, and pontoon decks of cabin country by storm. Ask for it by name at your favorite shops and get painting today. Speaking of trapping, there was this one time I trapped a skunk and wanted to save the pelt to make a hat. It was pretty cold out and the critter was too frozen to skin. Being it was Christmas Eve, my wife had left cabin country and headed to the cities early for the family Christmas celebration where I would join them a little later. Since she was gone, I figured it would be okay if I thawed the skunk out in the wash tub downstairs before I skinned it. Well, he thought okay, but something started leaking out of him, and even with my lousy sense of smell, I knew it was bad, and that smell was circulating rapidly through the house. So the skunk went back outside, and before I left for the cities, I opened some windows and turned up the furnace and the exhaust fans. I only had five or six hours until we would all return home from the cities, including my wife's overly sensitive nose. I had to make sure I got back first so she would not hear fans running and see windows open. Amazingly, it worked. The smell was gone and no one got in trouble for thawing a skunk out in the sink. So that might be useful tip number two. Okay, one last skunk story. My daughter is not much into the hunting and trapping I do. Mine son is more into that. But she often went along with me when she was young, sometimes bringing a friend. So she has stories about two little girls in a john boat screaming as an angry raccoon tries to jump in or standing in line at the fur buyer holding a pile of muskrat pelts for him to buy. She also worked in a morgue for several years after college and has a good sense of humor, so that's kind of her background. 
Anyhow, when she was planning her wedding, we both just sort of knew our father-daughter dance would be Loudon Wainwright's Dead Skunk Song. We kept it a surprise for the most part. Her friends all picked up on it right away and thought that was fabulous. But her new husband's side of the family, and really all the older folks on both sides, their faces ranged from confusion to aghast. And as she and I were both in the middle of the dance floor and they were all gathered around the floor, we had the best view and could see those reactions. It was memorable, and it might even be a tip number three for you if you happen to be stuck trying to pick a song for a wedding dance. Okay, Bjorn, I forgot to thank you for this awesome mug you got me. I believe it was for my birthday. It was a birthday gift, yes. December. A couple of mugs. Very, actually. very close to the holiday season. But it, was, right. it was intended for your birthday. Yes, and uh, I, I, I don't know where you found this, but this is an awesome retro scenic design here that just kind of repeats itself. But uh, It's kind of screaming mid-50s. Quite fascinating. And I think my favorite part here is the old-timer handing his Johnson to his wife? Yeah. <laughs> and make of that what you will. <laughs> Johnson Motor. That's yes. It. it looks to be one of those classic old sort of silver green 25 horse. Yes. And he's holding it like it's yeah, a fishing rod. Right. <laughs> he's handing it to the woman of the house. Who's right, who's in the boat. In the boat. He's on the sleeveless dock. summer shirt and the neckerchief tied around her. And she's got a big grin on her face as she's reaching out to take yes. a 25-horse Johnson motor and I'll, uh, from her husband slash partner slash uncle. I don't know who he is, but it's, I'm like, okay, A, the angle you're standing at to hold that 25-horse, you are either... Get- you're going to break your back. With your, your spine is going to go out of whack, or you have just ruptured yourself. I'm not sure which. And then she's going to take this, and grab it, and standing up, put it on the transom. I, I guess so. Now, as a couple of guys who tried to muscle a nine-horse mariner. Oh, my God. Yeah. Was it a mariner? <clears throat> it's, a, it's a mariner. Mar- yeah. yeah, off the back of the sea maid. Sea yes. Maid. I was going to say sea queen. Well, yeah, that's, that's a sea maid. That goes yes. back a while. Yeah, the sea maid. Uh, and both of us grunting. And, yeah. I think you kind of threw your back out, too. I did. Yeah. I did this year. I, I, I sold it horse. out. Yeah, the yeah. nine-horse Mercury. And uh, climbing it up the, the steps of that bank we've got right. leading to our dock, is that was, that's a, that was a killer. Yeah. So, uh, But this woman, I guess she can handle it. Heavy duty. Well, yeah, you've got, you know, and there's another, <laughs> there's another guy. Dad, who, you know, I hope I'm not offending it here, but has a striking similarity to Captain Dave Stricker. Oh. He's got his hand on his son's shoulder. They're walking down the dock, sharing pleasantries. Dad's holding the 25 horse by the rear grip with one hand. <laughs> walking down the dock. And there's a guy in front, you know, getting his open bale reel ready to go, and he's got it resting on his... On his Johnson. <laughs> Housing. And uh, somebody back there holding about a 30-pound Northern next to yet another Johnson motor, which seems to be screwed onto the dock, oddly enough. A boat taking off in the background, kicking up a wake as the Johnson kicks into gear. And then, yeah, this poor woman's about to 
break her back. <laughs> yes. <Yeah, laughs> he hands her a 25 horse. I'm not saying women can't handle great weights. They can. Equal but, opportunity uh, for all humans. Absolutely. But just knowing what we know about the weight of the average outboard motor. But you got to love uh, blue skies and islands right. with pines and people getting ready to you know, wipe those smiles off their faces and get out there and slay some fish. You know, let's That's rip right. some lips and everybody's red. The sun is shining. It looks very northern. It's... You know, tackle boxes on the dock, and it, like I said, it screams late forties, fifties. I don't know, nineteen fifties. Yes. Love that kind of stuff. You got a second mug too that came that's a right. little bit later, and that's just a straight up old print ad for the Johnson Seahorse outboard yes. motors, and it's the same look. It's that oh, same yeah. great kind of green gray, rounded housing. It's it's making me regret now that uh, my dad got rid of the yeah the five horse we had. Well, didn't you say that it, it was like the gears were slipping? Like it would just yeah. constantly slip out of gear and it was going to cost a lot right. to fix it. In fact, I think getting the Mariner was part of the deal. My dad just gave gave this motor, the five horse, uh, you know, as a collectible to Rick, neighbor Rick up yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Or he knew a guy that collected them, so... He knew a guy who knew a guy who knew yeah. something about... Yeah. So yeah, now, now I'm missing having it, but uh, just to look at, but, you know, I guess we got another... Uh, enough memorabilia oh, yeah. around oh, yeah. collecting, so that's that's another show we can go. That mug is going to be at its finest, things. though, and it's filled to the brim with simmering hot mitts. That's right. That's the right. Sun coming up over the dock. No geese. Yes. On the dock, and uh, we're getting ready to sit down and wet a line. Yes. That a sounds a hot good. cup of coffee. Thinking about thinking about our Johnsons. Wait, excuse me. <laughs> thinking about. <laughs> Thinking about the Johnson, I know the longer good old have. days of your green round twenty-five <laughs> horse Johnson. <laughs> oh yes, I miss that Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> You've. I'm. Oh, I'm just going to stop myself there, folks. But uh, there is something so cool about vintage outboards. Oh my God! Somebody, there was somebody parked a few blocks away from my house, and they had about a. I'm going to guess like a sixteen-foot aluminum Lund mm -hmm. up on a trailer. And one of the, I'm trying to remember who made it. was a Mercury. Okay. And I want to say like a late 60s Mercury. A tall white housing. Right, and yes. The, and the silver bands okay. running across the housing. And I was like, oh, my God. They, they, they just, those don't exist anymore. No. You know, those don't exist anymore. And I think back to the, the 50 horse Johnson we had on our, our tri-hull at Larson. And... Uh, it was. I remember thinking, well, these newer motors are kind of small. I mean, it's a fifty horse, but it's not very frightening. I mean, I want. <laughs> yeah. I want a beefy looking. I one. want something. Man, come on! I mean, we can get this thing up to about thirty miles an hour. I, I want to scare people when they look at the size <laughs> of that motor. I don't believe. No, no. You know, <laughs> but they're still heavier than I'll get out. So yeah. it's not real big, but oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. The the, the dad, as it were, crafted a. A homemade dolly out of found items. Oh, uh, yes. You oh, know, funny. A couple of metal, what looked to be, I don't know where he got them. I mean, it's like it, he, he, it was a found item motor dolly. Yeah. And he found some old, you know, wheelbarrow wheels and put them on there. And all yeah. it was missing was the duct tape and the, the rubber cement and <laughs> right. baling wire and, and a bolt. Yeah. And it was a perfect dad construction. Yeah. Yes. But he could hook that thing on and wheel it up. He put a couple of two-by-fours on the side of the steps, and that became the tracks to go up. Oh, and, sure. 
Yeah, he'd grunt and fart and the whole, <laughs> the whole nine to get that thing up the steps, but it he, it worked. Oh, you know? excellent! And that was an eighteen horse, and it had that old kind of rectangular, squarish. Oh yeah, almost uh, kind of like the fifties finned Cadillacs of the days. You know, just right. interesting kind of. Yeah, it, look, it looked fast. Yeah, that was the one he uh, he tried to uh, kneeboard behind, where he was drawing the wake off his neck. Off his yeah, neck, it just didn't. <laughs> Didn't have it, but uh, wasn't not, quite enough. Not, not, and it was it was a big boat too. It was like a twenty foot, you know, fiberglass. Yeah, fishing really, really boat. heavy. So it was like moving a Sherman tank. But yes, uh, no, yeah, these those old motors are cool. They very, are very cool. They are. So thanks again for oh, awesome you bet. mugs. You bet. These will be added to the coffee cup collection up at the cabin. Absolutely, I would. I would be hoping that's the case. And imagine, imagine the wonders. How good yeah. the coffee will taste. Oh, as we, goodness gracious! Are you kidding me? Guy's got absolutely. That yes. might, that might, I'm trying to think which brand of mitts we we want right. to make a pot of first. Uh, I don't know. Maybe whistling, whistling wood, wood duck. duck or, <laughs> yeah, that's the one that comes to mind. Or the uh, Colombian Supremo. Or yeah, yeah, Colombian. Or or maybe we'll just stay calm. Uh, Brew up a pot of Osteen. No, <laughs> no, that wouldn't that wouldn't be right for um, the initial the initial. Uh, that's for the maiden voyage, or late late in the day when we don't want to yeah, wire the ourselves. It, right. And it's made with real roasted white acorns. Oh boy, white oak acorns, mm. delicious, mm. edible, delicious, non-tannic. They don't smell like. Well, well, thanks. That's enough. You bet. Good stuff. And uh, hopefully, you'll be wearing your Daredevil T-shirt. Oh yeah, that too. This. That too. <laughs> I'll have it all. All our musical guests talk about the glories of the Daredevil. Yes. Well, we all love the Daredevil. God, why not? I've got a T-shirt now. You bet you. Awesome. All right. All right. Well, before we say adios, we'd like to thank Bjorn's friend Mike from Western Wisconsin for his great skunk stories. Thanks also to Stan Tequila for the use of his Bird Songs of Minnesota CD. I'd like to give a shout out and a thank you to Larry at Lake Supply Co. for his great Cabin Country coffee mug and T-shirt designs which you can find on the Cabin Country Podcast website. A special thanks to Juniper, the shepherd puppy, for the extra background noise coming from upstairs. And we especially want to thank our listeners out there in Cabin Country around the world. This episode marks the beginning of our seventh year of doing this podcast, if you can believe it. We wish we could do more than one episode a month, but you know our sponsors just don't pay us enough. Mostly because they're all made up. At any rate... Thanks for listening and hanging out with us, and we'll see you in the next episode. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.